movement is one of the best ways to get people out of a funk or out of negative thought patterns. So, you know, if we get up and start our day, 10 minutes movement, get your walking shoes on, get that brisk walk or run in, it's really great. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Mind Valley podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about biohacking your brain. And my guest today is Dr. Kristen Willimer. She's the author of a new book called Biohack Your Brain, How to Boost Cognitive Health, Performance, and Power. She is a leading neuroscientist. She's created a groundbreaking science-driven plan for revitalizing, nourishing, rejuvenating what is essentially your most essential muscle, which is your brain. Now, for years, Kristen has worked with Dr. Daniel Amen, who's been a guest on this podcast before. Dr. Daniel Amen has published over 30 books, 70 plus articles to prove the importance of brain health. And Kristen is one of the lead researchers at the Amen Clinic. Now, her book, Biohack Your Brain, is about outlining a strategy for COVID long haulers. As a leading brain health strategist, she's proven we can use dietary and lifestyle modification to rehabilitate the brain. For those who haven't had COVID, her tactics can keep your brain in top shape to minimize anxiety, depression, and the risk of Alzheimer's, which honestly, I remember attending a conference once and they were talking about the Alzheimer's. And I remember the host of the conference said, look around you, there's someone on your left, there's someone on your right. Look at them, look at their eyes and know this, one out of three of you are gonna end up with Alzheimer's, statistically, right? And so it's so important that we are aware of the risk here. And it's so important that we are focused on ensuring that our brain is operating at optimal efficiency. So, Kristen, welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. Vision, it is such a pleasure to be here, and I love talking about my favorite organ, the brain, which I've been studying for two decades. And I love how much you appreciate the organ that really runs our entire life. Right? It brings us our joy and our vitality, and so taking great care of it is something that I want to speak with your listeners on the podcast about today. Amazing! And so we're going to take you through. 10 Ways to Change Your Brain in 10 Minutes. This is an extract from Kristen's book, Biohack Your Brain. And by the way, for those of you who are on your computer and want to Google the book, type in Biohack Your Brain and you will find it. If you don't see it, type in Biohack Your Brain, Kristen. Kristen's website is drwillimer.com. And I know that's good luck spelling that. <laughs> so I have that same problem. It's D-R-W-I-L-L-E-U-M-I-E-R.com. Now, if you're driving and that's too hard for you to take down, just remember, biohack your brain. Google that and you'll find the book. So Kristen, you know, I think so many of us underestimate the power of the brain. I remember when Dr. Daniel Lehman was on this podcast, he said, you know, so many people talk about getting better shoulders, getting better biceps, getting a better butt. But the thing is, the brain is the most important. It's really the most important muscle in the body. It's just that because we can't see it, we ignore it. Yes. Most people will never take a look at the brain. They're not going to get their brain image. So as the clinical research director for the Amen Clinics, I've seen thousands of brain scans, right? So I helped Daniel establish his brain imaging database, which has over 130,000 scans. So after seeing thousands of these images, we have a really good idea 
of what's going on in people's brains. What's most important and what I know Daniel shared and what I'd like to share in your podcast is we can change your brain at any age, whether you're 20 or you're 90. We can help improve blood flow. We can help stabilize your brain, the efficiency of the connection so that you're able to have what I know you would appreciate as a super brain. We're able to grow new neurons in areas of the brain important in learning and memory. And again, we can do this at 70, 80, or 90. So I think that's really important for people to understand. And another point that you mentioned about dementia, a lot of people don't realize the brain starts aging and those symptoms, most people have symptoms of dementia starting their sixth decade of life or later, but the changes happen at the cellular level up to two decades before you have a symptom. And this is why people like Daniel Lehman and myself, it's so excited about teaching people how to reverse brain aging and how to slow that process down so we don't spend our later years concerned with dementia and mild cognitive impairment. Wow, that's interesting because I'm 15 years from 60. This is definitely something I got to consider. And I'm seeing people up on our chat sharing their age, those yeah. brave, very open people. Those brave people. Hey, I'm 48, so I'm sharing my age as you well. You do not look 48. That's incredible. Thank you. I love it when people practice what they preach, when health practitioners look so much younger than they should, because you know they're actually following their own advice. Well, trust me, like I said, I've been in this field 20 years and I've been following the practices that I've put in the book because really the book are the things that we've done at the clinic to help support people reverse their brain aging. I don't think people understand when you image brains and you see within a short period of time, a six month window of time, changing dietary and lifestyle habits can literally change the physiological function of your brain. And we can show you that using neuroimaging, whether that's electrical imaging using EEG or functional imaging using something like SPECT. And I know a lot of people just don't know this. So imagine, isn't that much more of a motivator to stay on a brain-healthy diet if you know through imaging that you can see in a six-month period of time improvements in blood flow that will last? I mean, these changes are sustainable over time. And I think that's why I've become a cheerleader, just like Daniel. I think we get very excited about sort of putting the tools in people's hands and then making sure that people repeat these good habits daily because it's the consistency over time, which is what's really supporting healthy brain aging and slowing that brain aging process. This is so fascinating. Now, in your book, you share a simple set of tips. Now, firstly, the book goes deep, right? But there is this portion in the introduction where you share something which I found very interesting. And I'd love for you to talk about it. 10 ways to change your brain in 10 minutes. Let's go deep on this and give the audience here a taste of what you teach. And again, I want to remind you, the book is called Biohack Your Brain. If you type Biohack Your Brain on Google, you should find it. And it's a book that here at Mind Valley we strongly recommend. Kristen, let's start with the 10 ways to change your brain in 10 minutes. So the first one, this is easy. We've talked about exercise. I tell people to get up take a brisk walk or do some sort of exercise at least for 10 minutes. So our brain has 400 miles of blood vessels in it. When we exercise, 
Even if it's a brisk walk, it helps to expand the blood vessels. So it helps to produce nitric oxide. When our blood vessels are nice and elastic, that's what's going to help keep our brain healthy for a lifetime, right? Keeping our vasculature healthy will keep our brain healthy because that's how we get oxygen and nutrients to our brain. It'll also boost our mood, right? So you get the endorphins and you get that dopamine and the serotonin. So it's a mood booster. And if you're walking really briskly or you're actually doing a quick jog for 10 minutes or even hit training, that helps to produce brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is a factor that helps grow neurons in the brain, especially in that region called the hippocampus, which is important in learning and memory. So everybody who listens to this podcast already knows about exercise, but even if you can just get up and get that 10 minutes in really quickly, very important for the brain. I love that. Now, and you just reminded me that I got to take this more seriously because I'm going to be in lockdown for another four weeks. I've practically been at home. There's literally nothing to do right now. I used to walk to the office and back. Here in Europe, I love that the city of Tallinn is such a walking city as it is in many parts of Europe. But what I did do, and you've reminded me to start using it directly below my desk, I have a treadmill. So I have a stand-up. You do your standing treadmill. We actually had a doctor who had one in the office. So he'd, you know, do his meetings on the treadmill. I used to go to the Equinox. I'd bring all my brain books and I'd go and start reading like my neuroscience textbooks and I could run and read, which I don't know if I actually recommend running and reading because you can have an issue on the treadmill, but just you want to get up and move. And it also helps keep your mind fresh for ideating and creating new ideas. Movement is one of the best ways to get people out of a funk or out of negative thought patterns. So, you know, if we get up and start our day, 10 minutes movement, get your walking shoes on, get that brisk walk or run in, it's really great. Or you've got the treadmill desk and some people use the QB, which is something you can have at your desk. It's like a little exercise. How do you spell that? It's C-U-B-I-I. So my CPA, I taught him to use it so he can sit at his desk and under his desk, it's like this little exercise cycle that you can use. It looks really compact. It's compact. You can stick it under the desk. Yeah, 199 mm-hmm. on Amazon. I'm in Europe, so I'm looking at Amazon Germany. It's mm-hmm. 199 euros. I'm sure it's going to be around 199 USD in the US. Now, the treadmill I got, believe it or not, is only 299 And so you can have a really, really, really good under-death treadmill. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, 
most effective way because of the Mindvalley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. For 299, I know someone in the chat said, get a trampoline. Can you imagine being in a Zoom call and like going like this? The trampoline or the reformer. So I really like people having the reformers as well. So that's like a little mini trampoline that you can have in your office. Yeah, you probably don't want to do calls on it. Yeah. But it helps move the lymph which is great to detoxify your system. So as people get older and maybe aren't able to move as much, getting one of those small reformers is really helpful. I've worked with people. I used to teach a brain-directed weight loss group in our clinical setting. So I've worked with people, you know, as young as 20 and as old as 90 and, you know, getting them up and moving. There's a lot of very creative ways that you can do that, like we're talking about now. Amazing. So oh, let's go. I think we got some really good tips over here, including equipment that you can invest in that can improve that brain health. Keep the blood flowing is the important part, right? Because it's really exercise is one of the number one ways to slow brain aging. And I think that's something that people really need to think about. And I know CEOs, people like you, you know, you want to get it in quickly and you 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But I do encourage people to do the 35 or 40 minutes as well, because think about it again for your vascular health. We want to keep those blood vessels really able to open so that nitric oxide and keeping them, we don't want them to get rigid and hard, which happens at atherosclerosis. So just moving every day is one of the easiest ways to keep them open. So let's now go on to number two. Number two, okay, savor a bowl of blueberries. So I know you've had my friend Jim Quick on, who I love, talk about brain berries. So blueberries are one of the foundational nutrients to protect your brain health. And here is why. So they're loaded with polyphenols and antioxidants that can cross the blood-brain barrier and actually protect your neurons from dying. So as a neuroscientist, we love anything that has antioxidants in it. And why is that important? Your brain is 2% of your body's weight, but it uses 20% of your body's glucose and energy. And it's sort of a highly metabolic organ. So what you want to do is have a lot of high antioxidant foods like blueberries. That's going to protect the neurons of your brain from dying. Harvard did an amazing study, an epidemiological study over the course of 20 years and found that people who ate two to three servings of blueberries or strawberries per week, and a serving is a cup, slowed brain aging by two and a half years. So imagine how simple is that? We can all have a cup of blueberries or strawberries. It's brain berries, like any, you could do raspberries, but these are what the study showed. If you do the blueberries or strawberries twice a week, one cup, slow brain aging by two and a half years. And it actually reduced the risk of cardiovascular events by a third. So you're also protecting your heart. So one cup of blueberries twice a week can slow brain aging by two and a half years. If you practice consistently over time. So this is the key, right? That was a 20 year longitudinal study. So when I teach in my brain directed weight loss groups, I teach the Mediterranean diet because that has been a diet that pretty much anybody can follow no matter you know where you sit as far as vegan, vegetarian, you like meat, you don't like meat. Everybody can sort of fit within a box in the Mediterranean diet. And on that program, I recommend people get two servings of fruit per day. 
So I would actually highly recommend people have some kind of berry on a daily basis. But if we want to just follow what the literature said, two to three, you know, servings per week. So does it have course to be- of time? You have to do it over the course of time. So it's not I had two servings this week and then I forgot about it and a month later I did it. You really have to be consistent with your habits. So does it have to be blueberries? Because what about strawberries, raspberries, or blackberries? So this study looked at blueberries and strawberries. So both of those work, but really you could do acai berries, blueberries, strawberries, mulberries, blackberries. All of those are loaded with antioxidants. So acai has a higher antioxidant capacity, but they're all great. So just a couple of things to note. Okay. So a banana, Mm -hmm. hundred grams of a banana has 12 grams of sugar. If you go down to strawberries, strawberries, blackberries, and raspberries, you're looking at seven grams of sugar. Blueberries are 10 grams and apple is 10 grams. Yes, I loved your sugar expose. You're concerned about the sugar content. Is that the component that you're- I'm just putting that out as a metric for people so they understand the comparison of sugar levels. And you can type in anything on Google, banana sugar content, blueberry sugar content. Google now has a tool where they directly give you the sugar content of just about anything you put in. I love Google for keeping us well-informed. And I love that you- support people tracking how many sugar grams they get per day. So the American Heart Association recommends that females have no more than 25 grams of sugar per day, males no more than 36 grams per day. When I taught my groups, on average, people are having between 70 to 90 grams per day. And again, I know you did your amazing sugar expose in the market. You know, many of the things that we eat now sort of one of the rules that I've had for patients that I work with is whatever you eat, no more than five grams of sugar per serving. Really great rule of thumb when you're thinking about, should I eat this? Should I not eat this? And especially if it's a packaged food. I mean, I try to teach people not to have packaged foods. Is there evidence that shows that sugar can negatively affect brain health? Oh my gosh, absolutely. You're asking me a neuroscientist where... In Alzheimer's, we actually have a type 3 diabetes. Alzheimer's can be caused by what we call like type 3 diabetes of the brain, which is having excess sugar can lead to an acceleration of brain aging. So having too much sugar coursing through your bloodstream. So if you have your hemoglobin A1C levels are too high, that actually measures how much sugar is in your bloodstream over the course of two to three months. What that's telling us is your blood can start to get thick and viscous, number one, because the sugar is not going from the bloodstream into the cells. Number two, that can also affect your vasculature. So that can start to make, especially the capillaries can get very hard. That's where people who have issues with diabetes, type one and type two can have issues with their vision because in the eyes, the vasculature, the capillaries are very small. So I think people can relate to that. But yes, we want to keep our sugar content down and be mindful of it. I want to ask you this as a neuroscientist. So mm-hmm. I come from Malaysia and one of the companies in Malaysia I've tried to expose is Nestle. Nestle yes. has brainwashed all of Malaysia, especially mm-hmm. Malaysian kids to drink a glass of Milo a day, often two glasses of Milo. I a saw glass that. of Milo contains roughly 16 grams of sugar, five grams mm-hmm. of lactose, and then 12 grams of added sugar. In Malaysian it's- schools, children literally take Milo before going to school. Didn't you show that a famous soccer player was promoting it? So many people promote it. Nestle is the biggest company in my country. My question to Mm -hmm. you is, is giving a child 20 grams of sugar (laughs) before sending them to school, is that risky in any way? 
it's just not great for their brain health. Besides, they're going to be bouncing off the walls right from that sugar. We don't want to fuel our kids that way in the morning and get them addicted to sugar. So as you've shown, sugar is so addictive. It works on the reward centers of the brain. If you're going to give your child sugar, you should do a healthy brain smoothie in the morning with the blueberries and banana and some water. And you can put some protein in it. You know, that's a smart way to get your child ready for school in the morning giving them a drink loaded with 20 grams of sugar. As I just told you, for females, we don't want to have them have over 25 grams of sugar. And for males, no more than 36 grams a day. So for a child, starting their day with 20 grams of sugar is absolutely not the way to go. Does it have any negative impacts on memory or behavior or future development of the child? You know, I think the negative impacts over time is that it can start to lead to pre-diabetes and diabetes. So, and diabetes, again, is bad for your brain health. You know, when you started the call talking about dementia and Alzheimer's and being concerned about that, if we look at the major risk factors that lead to dementia, it's midlife obesity, midlife hypertension, midlife diabetes, three things everybody can change off the bat cognitive inactivity, physical inactivity, depression, and social isolation. So if we think all of those factors are what leads to brain aging, and one of the very big ones is diabetes. Here in the United States, we have about 25 million people with diabetes, 85 million are pre-diabetic, and they say at least probably a third of those will become diabetic. So here in the US, that's a third of our population that's diabetic. So when you ask me, you know, if we start teaching our children at a very young age to have these sugary foods as fuel, it's working on their addiction centers. So they're going to want it every day. You have to be the leader of brain health in your family and say, this is not how we start our mornings, right? We're going to start it with the brain healthy. Smoothie. So here's a question that came up in the chat. You advocated blueberries, a cup of blueberries twice a twice week. Twice a week. Mm-hmm. That's about a cup of blueberries is 190 grams. That's roughly 19 grams of sugar. That's good brain healthy sugar. And it's loaded with enzymes and nutrients and water. So it's a nutrient for your brain and it can use all of the good, the enzymes and the antioxidants and the polyphenols and again, the water. So fruit is hydrating to the body. As you'll read in the book, I talk about juicing and green juicing and because I think it's a really easy way for people to get fruits and vegetables into sort of their daily lives. And what I love about that is you get great enzymes that help with your digestion and then you get the polyphenols and antioxidants. Awesome. So now let's go on to step number three. Step number three, you can have a square of dark chocolate every day. It's got to be a brain-healthy dark chocolate. I'm sure Daniel might have talked about this before, and we all need our goodies, right? So the dark chocolate, it's really fascinating. It's loaded with flavonoids. So again, flavonoids are those polyphenols that can cross the blood-brain barrier, protect our neurons, but it's also been shown to help improve memory. So it's really fascinating. Some of the studies that are coming out showing a small square of dark chocolate. And again, it's got to be small. You know, you can't be having a whole bar to improve cognition. And it actually also increases nitric oxide. So again, it works as a vasodilator. The chocolate has to be 70% or higher cacao. If you have milk chocolate or white chocolate, so white chocolate has no flavonoids. So that will not work. Milk chocolate has a smaller amount, but that's also loaded with sugar and fat. 
The dark chocolate, which is great, it's bitter. So it's actually not that sweet and the grams of sugar are fairly low. So again, you can savor that little square of dark chocolate every day and that will help support your brain health. That's amazing. I appreciate that. Now let's go on to number four. Number four, so we can visualize our day. I tell people to take 10 minutes every morning and just visualize what they want for the day. Our mind is really powerful in what we can accomplish. I grew up showing horses. And when I was literally seven, eight years old, I used to go to sleep and wake up in the morning and visualize the kind of round that I wanted to ride and would do that. So prep your mind every day to accomplish great things. So I think a lot of people sometimes wake up in the morning and they just go through their routine and don't take that sort of 10 minutes to be mindful. I think you would agree, wouldn't you? You are a visualizer. I am a visualizer. So I completely, completely, completely agree with that one. And number five. Number five, so we could sniff our stress away. So I tell people, use aromatherapy as a way to improve our mood. Many people don't realize the nose has 400 odorant receptors, and we are able to discern over a trillion different scents. Sometimes people don't fully understand that we can use the power of a scent to change our mood. So something like bergamot can help uplift your mood. That's sort of an orange scent. You could also use lavender. That's the common one to help calm your mood. You can use something like frankincense. Even people who have brain injuries, frankincense can help boost blood flow to the brain. So utilize the power of scent to help improve your day. And I'll tell you, working in a psychiatric clinic, I started using this in my office setting. So when you have people coming into your office with anxiety and depression, bipolar issues, and I have one person after another after another, I started using a little aromatherapy diffuser to just keep the space to feel good. That's so interesting. I've never Mm -hmm. knew that aromatherapy could have that sort of impact on the brain. Yes, it's powerful, the scent. Like we don't want to forget the power, the sensory experience. We are sensory beings taking everything in. This is why I love people to have an air purifier in their home or office, right? Look at the kind of lights that you have around you. Do you have natural light coming in versus fluorescent light? What do you smell? So that scent that's in the air, what are you hearing in the background or not hearing? So using the classical music, we're sensory beings. So let's create our environment to help support us having the best day possible. That's amazing. Now, I want to just go back a little bit on the dark chocolate, because mm-hmm. I'm seeing questions come in. Is there a percentage yeah. that we should be paying attention to? 70% or higher. So everyone note that 70% or higher yeah. dark chocolate. The yeah. next one is on visualizing to improve your day. Is there any evidence on that? Scientific evidence and correlations with brain health? So that's a good question. I would say I don't have a scientific study that I can rattle off of the top of my head like I typically do as a neuroscientist, but it's more about using the power of your mind to move forward and create what you want in your day. And I think anybody could appreciate that. Now let's go on to number six. Okay. So number six, writing with your non-dominant hand. So in the brain health field, we always tell people there's this concept of neuroplasticity and synaptic plasticity. And we always want to do things that stretch ourselves outside of our comfort zone. So 
95% of people are right-hand dominant. You can work with your left hand and you can do anything with your left hand. I have people right with their left hand. And actually I give people a little exercise to do every day. I recommend people learn a new word a day. So go on Merriam Webster or dictionary app, learn a new word. And trust me, I'm a smart person and I get on that dictionary app and I'm still learning new words. I have people learn the word, repeat it throughout the day, write it in a sentence, write it with your non-dominant hand. So actually practice it. And it's a way to help encode the word in your mind and work your opposite hand. I'm guessing the same thing happens to learning a new language, right? So rather than learn a new word, mm-hmm. we could use an app like Duolingo, learn a new language and do that same left-handed writing thing. You know what's great about learning a new language? So the research shows that people who learn a new language in adulthood slow brain aging by as much as four and a half years. That's crazy. It's, it's so, now maybe I'm going to take that seriously. No, it's really important. I talked about the next one, creating 10 minutes of white space. I love this. So white space is that time in your day when you are not ruminating about anything else. You're just no beeps, no texts, no looking at your computer. Just sit quietly. It could be a meditative space. So I called it 10 minutes of white space because some people aren't into meditation and some people are, but this is that 10 minutes of quiet time. You can close your eyes. You can go inward, get out of your thinking mind into your feeling heart. You can do breath work, but it's just taking a 10 minute beat out of your day. It could be in the morning when you're doing it. It could be midday, but we all need to take that break because our minds are always spinning, spinning, spinning. And it's kind of that check-in point. Let's go on to number eight. Yes. So I talked about learning a new word each day. Mm -hmm. That was number eight. I think everybody to expand your vocabulary, expand learning. Number nine, write down something that you're grateful for every day or practicing gratitude. So I will tell you, working in the psychiatric space, a lot of people who struggle with negative thoughts, you know, and a lot of us just get on that negative thought train. The practice of gratitude actually helps to change the way you think about the world and helps to support more optimistic, positive thinking. There's been research that's been done showing people who practice optimism and gratitude every single day help to change the way their frontal lobe functions. It works networks in the frontal lobes involved in moral and social cognition. Because remember, when we are practicing gratitude, we're actually giving thanks for something or to someone. So it's actually strengthening those bonds. I like it as a practice that everybody can do in their home each night, you know, before dinner, we can do it in our family where you sit down at the dinner table and just say something you're grateful for. It can be as simple as that, or you can write it down in a journal, or you can write it on a whiteboard and have that on your refrigerator and you see it every day. And it just lifts your mood. Amazing. And the final point. Sitting up straight. This is my last point. So many of us are hunched over our computers all day, myself included, or in the laboratory setting, I used to be hunched over my microscope. So most people don't realize the importance of sitting up straight, right? Head back, allowing good blood flow to the brain. It's funny, during COVID, I haven't been able to go and do my normal massages. I used to get a massage once a week. And what I found is the back, can hold a lot of tension. So we hold a lot of tension in our neck and our shoulders. 
we have all that tension again, because we're leaning forward, right. And hunching our shoulders. So when you sit back and sit up straight shoulders down, not only can you get more blood flow to the brain, but it can help even moving the cerebrospinal fluid through the brain. Cerebrospinal fluid is what's going to help clear abnormally folded proteins and toxic proteins. You know, I know you've probably talked about this on your sleep segments and the importance of sleep, but just taking the time every day to just sit up straight, shoulders back, back relaxed can help your mood and blood flow. Amazing. Let's recap all of these 10 points. Now, if you remember the order, you could recap. If not, I could recap it from the chapter in your book. Recap number one, go for a brisk walk. Number two, savor a bowl of blueberries every day. Number three, have a square of dark chocolate. Number four, we can sit up straight. Number five, we can improve ways to visualize our day. So take 10 minutes to visualize. Number six, we can write with our non-dominant hand. Number seven, we can practice gratitude each day. Number eight, we can create 10 minutes of white space. Number nine, we can sniff our stress away. And number 10, we can learn a new word each day. Amazing. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Kristen. So again, I want to remind you, if you want to learn more about this, Google Biohack Your Brain, okay? Biohack Your Brain, and you will find this remarkable book by Dr. Kristen Willemer. Now, what I'd like to do is, you guys know how it goes. We have a Q&A box open, and we have questions here from the audience. I'm going to pick two people. I'm going to make you live to directly ask your question to Kristen. Beautiful. Okay, so the first person is Ina, and I'm going to bring up Ina to ask her question. This is an interesting one. Yay! Hi, beautiful Ina. How are you today? I'm great. Where are you, Ina? I'm in Norway. Ah, right. You look very Scandinavian. Yeah. She does. I'm Swedish, Ina. You are? Mm-hmm. My wow. family's on my dad's side's from Stockholm. Yeah. So, Ina, go ahead and ask your question. So, I wonder if there is a correlation between lack of sleep and Alzheimer's. Oh, Ina, thank you so much for bringing up this question because sleep plays three really critical roles in the brain when we think about brain health. To your point about Alzheimer's, researchers found out in 2015 that the brain has what's called a glymphatic system. So it's like akin to the lymphatic system. So it's how we sort of wash and clear abnormally folded proteins. And what we found is when we sleep, the brain is able to clear those abnormally folded proteins that lead to Alzheimer's. And interestingly, a new study just came out showing that people who struggle with insomnia tend to have, what's the larger ventricles. And when we see that in brain imaging, we know that they're having troubles with brain aging and potentially Alzheimer's. So what you want to do is make sure you get your sleep to help clear those abnormally folded proteins. The other thing sleep does is we consolidate the memories that we make during the day. So everything that we learn in the day, when we go to sleep, we consolidate them and put them into our long-term memory storage. So great sleep helps us to retain our memories from the day. And number three, which I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate is when we sleep, it actually helps us to process the things that we've had happen in our day emotionally. So it can help with anxiety and depression. So 
during those deeper stages of sleep and the REM sleep is when we work through those emotions. Short answer to your question, yes, getting a good night's sleep, getting restorative sleep can help to slow brain aging and prevent Alzheimer's. Thank you, Ina. That was a beautiful question. Thank you for asking the top-rated question today. The next question is from Elliot Berenger. So Elliot, I'm going to make you live right now. And this is a question on brain supplements. Yes, good. I love it. Elliot, you are now a panelist. Hi, Elliot. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Hello, Kristen. So this is really nice because some of your recommendations, I already learned it in the quest of Super Brain. And Jim. With Jim Quick, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you because I started like take out the sugar, breaking out from sugar. And Good. I began to suffer a little bit about like some dizziness and some headache. I don't know if it's normal or is something going wrong. No. Well, first of all, I just want to commend and applaud you for lowering your sugar. Is your body's getting used to this new normal for you? It's like creating a new homeostasis. And what you might find is foods will taste differently because the receptors on our tongue, the taste receptors can change over time as we are clearing sort of that excess sugar from our diet. So congratulations. Keep up the good work. Do the healthier sugars, right? From fruits, you know, fruits and vegetables, just from natural foods. I'm sure you've had people on here talk about the whole food, plant-based, just very natural foods. Your body and your brain will really appreciate having those cleaner nutrients. Okay. My second question of the part of the question was about which supplements you can recommend so we have a better memory and elasticity and a brain healthy because I'm taking tryptophan, omega-3. I'm taking collagen, but it's more for the skin. And your omegas Uh, will help your skin as well. And taking magnesium, but I don't know which else. Because vitamin D, I don't need it. I live in Spain, in Malaga, so I have a lot of sun. So I usually don't take vitamin D3. Right. So you ask a phenomenal question. When I was at the Amen Clinics, I was also not only their research director, but I was the director of nutrition and nutraceuticals. So I used to study the efficacy of supplements on brain function. And we used the neuroimaging to show whether the supplements worked or didn't work. So in the book, I actually have a chapter where I go into the supplements. I have what I call the starting lineup things that everybody can do. I have an all-star team. So these are things who want to take their supplements to the next level. And then I have what's called the injured reserve. So for people who've had brain injuries or had chemo brain from chemotherapy or struggling with any kind of brain issues. So I have those tiers. To answer your question and just give you some of the basics that I think everybody can do, a good high quality multivitamin is really smart for anyone over the age of 40. Because as we age, the neurotransmitter production can go down. So we want to make sure we just have essential nutrients, right? If you're not getting your three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruits per day and just some of the basics, I like a good multi. I love the omega-3 fatty acids that you're doing. One to two grams per day seems to work well across the board for people. If you want to know how much you should be taking, you can actually get a blood test done to look at your omega-3 fatty acid levels. So you've got that. So you're going to have great hair, skin, nails, and brain because it's actually going to help grow brain volume. The great thing about omega-3 fatty acids, they're anti-inflammatory, but they actually help 
the cellular receptors in your neurons work more efficiently. So they help people's mood. It helps anxiety and depression. Vitamin D, really important. You're already taking it. I tell people they should get it assessed annually just to make sure your number is optimized. So you are in the sun, you're probably doing great, but you might even need a little tweak. You might need, you know, a 2000 IUs of a vitamin D. I love curcumin. That's one of my favorite supplements for brain health because it's anti-inflammatory and some really fascinating research is coming out showing that it binds to the plaques that can form in Alzheimer's disease in the brain, helping to clear it out. So I think of that as a really smart brain health nutrient, especially to protect you from Alzheimer's. I love probiotics. So it's really important to take care of those hundred trillion microorganisms that are living in your gut and to give them not only great foods, I'm sure you guys have talked about prebiotics and then there's the probiotics. And I love a liquid trace mineral formula for people. So in addition to doing a multivitamin, I've been doing trace minerals for years. It's just an added insurance that you're getting all of the things that your body needs to function optimally. So I hope those help. And I think you'll love in the book, you know, I have things that'll take it to the next level. Magnesium is great, helps with stress. So bravo. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. I love this chapter of the book. You also mentioned probiotics. You go deep mm -hmm. into liquid trace minerals. You mentioned curcumin, curcumin. compound in turmeric. turmeric. I've studied supplements. We've used them to reverse brain trauma in professional athletes. I go into that in the book because I want people to see that we have these very simple things we can do. And supplements are an important component of it. I used to tailor supplement protocols for patients who came into our clinic who had anxiety, depression, bipolar issues. But then you also had people who just want to optimize brain function. And I myself, yes, I'm 48, but I'm still optimizing and measuring and assessing. So Elliot, I'm so happy that you're doing this and keep up the good work. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you. My, my final question to you is, as we're taking care of our brain, I wonder, do we also see cognitive performances in day-to-day -day life, even if we are in our 30s and 40s? Like, for example, these supplements, I get that they will slow down brain aging. Yes. But does our intelligence, our cognitive prowess go up on a day-to-day -day level? Yes. So what's really cool, I go into this in the book, we used cognitive assessments with our NFL population so they initially had significant brain trauma. I mean, anybody who's been reading the newspaper knows chronic traumatic encephalopathy. That's a brain disorder that we're seeing in professional athletes and veterans that play collision-based sports. So we did this really large clinical trial showing that people who play professional American football have significant brain trauma. And then what we did is put them on a dietary and lifestyle protocol for six months and then re-scanned their brain and showed that we could not only change blood flow and activity patterns in the brain, but could improve their cognitive function. And that's getting to the question you're asking me. So we gave multiple cognitive tests, just changed the diet again. And I talk about what I used for the players in the book, but changed the diet, put them on the supplement protocol, and then did the follow-up imaging and cognitive assessments. We also do brain training with them. So that's another piece. You know, I think it's really important to do brain training. I've talked about Brain HQ and other kind of apps that you can do, but keeping yourself cognitively active is important. And yes, it does result in measurable changes in what we would call global cognitive function. So reasoning, attention, memory, information processing speed, 
and all of this we can measure. So we're not just slowing brain aging, we can make you smarter. Amazing. And then what you just heard is the starting lineup, but in the book, Mm -hmm. there's also a chapter called the All-Star Team. And in that, the book goes deeper into other vitamins. There's a complete list there for you. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for this incredible interview, Dr. Kristen Willimer. And again, for those of you who are interested in learning more about the work of this amazing scientist, please go to Google and search for Biohack Your Brain and get that book. It is a remarkable book. It's very concise reading, but you're going to learn so much about brain health. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And all of you who are here, thank you for being here. Oh, Vishen, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation to join you today. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.